Are we ready? Yes. Are we ready? Yes. Okay. It is episode 31, finally. I think it's going to be October now, so we're approaching Halloween. So this is not the Halloween episode yet. I'm joined today once again by the formidable crew, Guido, hello. Hello. And Diego. Hello, everyone. How are you doing, guys? What's it been like up to now? It's been a long time once again. Yeah, I think it's been a month, but... Uh... I don't know why. Why? Why are we uh, so busy? <laughs> Maybe that's because of my uh, my new work or something. I, uh, of course, have to a lot of nights that I work now. So that's maybe. Oh, you increase your nights. I thought you worked uh, two nights a week. Is that right? Yeah, but the two nights a week is more than zero nights a week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, maybe that's uh, that's why we couldn't meet earlier. But. Uh, Yeah, for me, it's the same as being work, really, and um, a bit stressful lately. So, yeah, that, that's uh, that's me. What have you been up to, Diego? Well, yeah, for me, too, this period of the year is kind of the worst, really. There's uh, way, way too many things to do in everywhere, work, mm. home. We also got our cider brewing season starting up. That's, is that a uh, thing in Finland? No, that's the thing between me and the friend, really. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing in Finland is that pretty much every house has its own apple tree. and uh, But our apple tree, it happens that doesn't really make very good apples to eat. Oh, very and, sour. Yeah, pretty sour. And then a friend of mine a few years ago came up with the idea, why don't we brew cider out of those apples? And how many things do you do? How many things do you do? Uh, people, uh, listeners don't know your private life, but as your cousin, I do. And I'm just like, how many things can you possibly do? But you know, the, the secret to being able to do so many things is that you have to do all of them really, really bad. Okay. <laughs> yes. You have Hence no this limit. Podcast. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> All right, but this cider brewing, fortunately, it's literally three days of work every two years because the tree doesn't even bloom every year, every two years. So it's not, not that big deal. But those three days are, are well, hardworking day. There's a harvest day, first of all, the day when we pick them all up and we use some contraption that this friend has built to crush them and turn them into a pulp. And then we put them under a press that also this friend built. So we make juice. And then on this day, we usually just add the yeast to the juice in tanks. Mm. And we let them stay um, about a week in uh, the warmest possible place of the house, which is usually the sauna. Even if it's not lit up, but 
it's usually the warmest room. That's so right. now you can do a lot of things with oh, the sauna. Yeah. I was going to say, you, you eat the beans in the sauna, you cook the beans in the sauna, and then you the yeah, sure. sauna, sleep in the- We dry the laundry in the sauna. You know, the, oh, I think that it even used to be the delivery room, meaning for <laughs> giving birth a long time ago. Oh my Prima. God. It's very cozy and warm and clean, so why not? <laughs> all right okay but no well i was saying that um then in this phase we put them into tanks and let them let the yeast do the work so it starts um fermenting the juice making alcohol and gas so you have all these little siphons on the leads of the tank because Water locks. You shouldn't, you shouldn't build up the gas inside, or they might explode. They, it needs to go out. Yeah, the gas. The don't build any gas inside. Let it all out. But not when your partner <laughs> right. is near, especially yeah, on the sauna. <laughs> not in the sauna. Yeah. My God. Oh. Yeah, and then uh, then it's it's it gets um, moved into these giant glass bottles. Don't know if there's a word for them. You know uh, the. the like 20 30 liters bottles very is that what you're talking yes. about uh I, I don't know how that's called in english mm. for your your listeners you can google the word damijana d-a-m-g-i-n no g-a-i no i can't get it you do it diego the spelling is the key i think it's faster to just use Google translate <laughs> all right use google, google translate then. just a jar or something or maybe not fast. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh my god. Apparently it's called Demi John's. Demi John. Demi John's. <laughs> Never heard of it. It's like a demigod, but it's John. Mm, right. Yeah. Okay. So then they can stay there for like a f- two, three months. And then there's the third day of work is when you have to actually bottle it into a lot of smaller bottles. But it uh, surprisingly, you can have quite a good drink after all with with this uh, method. Can you do the sauna when it, when you're brewing this uh, cider? No, no. But that's only like maybe one week hmm, no because sauna. then uh, these Demi John's bottles they actually better stay in the coldest place of the house. So, like, for example, some storage room. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you so, know what, uh, Diego? I did exactly the same thing, but with right. grapes several weeks ago. You have sauna okay. too? Okay. But not in the sauna. Ah, <laughs> in your attic, but, uh, you said. With grapes. Yeah, with grapes. grapes. So we were making wine. wine. <laughs> we were making wine, but okay, okay. it looks horrible. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's a lot more difficult. I think that's a lot more difficult. The process seem, sounds really the same, like uh, squashing the grapes, uh, using the putting that in a in a container with a water lock so it doesn't explode. Wait mm. for several weeks, then uh, add yeast if you want, but I, we didn't, so we thought maybe natural yeast, but mm. uh, it, it doesn't seem to work. And when I look at the bottle, it looks quite disgusting, but like next week or something it's time to filter it again and 
put it in another bottle, maybe, and then wait, I think, half a year or something. Mm. Hopefully that will be wine. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> at least it's something we, we did with the grapes because we had the same problem. The grapes were okay to eat, but there were a lot of seeds in there and uh, uh, they are not. They are also a bit sour and we thought maybe make something else of it. That's what normal uh, grapes trying. are. They've got seeds. The seedless grapes are not natural. <laughs> no, but they are disgusting. <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> but everything is genetically modified now not to have seeds. God, it's incredible. I, I think that wine is a lot more complicated to to get a good wine out of, of the course, grapes. Yeah. It, yeah, 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 of course it is. It, because I literally had no experience with this before. This is just the third time we do it. Mm. And well, this friend of mine had already done it without other people in, in his neighborhood. So definitely more experienced than me. But it came out um, completely drinkable. I was also expecting maybe we'll have a lot of vinegar, <laughs> apple vinegar <laughs> to use. That was, and... uh, that was my expectation too of this wine. Uh, mm. But uh, let's see. Uh, it's just, it was either we threw a lot of grapes away because they didn't look nice or they didn't taste great. Or we just try to make wine. <laughs> let's see mm. what happens. And if it's disgusting, we can always throw it away. It's, it's just a fun experiment to have grapes from your own garden in the oh, center, city center in the, the Netherlands. So that's a really weird. <laughs> that will be a really weird wine, probably. We'll see. Now it's very satisfying to make some food by yourself, I think. Yeah, for example, uh, I ferment a lot of stuff. I also make kimchi. <laughs> I make kimchi, for example. Kimchi, uh, oh, yeah. Uh, okay. I always make that myself because normally normal kimchi isn't vegan most of the time. There's fish sauce in there. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I try to make I, I, cauliflower I fermented uh, in the past. I'm I, I have like a sort of fermentation Bible in my home where I can, like, if, if there's something I, I think, hmm, I don't, I'm not going to eat this or else I have to throw it away, then I'll try to ferment it. And most of the time it gets really nice, really nice food. For example, your own pepper sauce or something you can also make really easily by fermenting it. Hmm. Just uh, grind up the peppers and put, uh, put it in... Uh, a contain glass container and put vinegar in there or something and let it ferment and you have like a really nice hot sauce. You guys seem like more that. like alchemists to me. <laughs> it's just time, a lot of time. You have to wait a lot with fermenting. But, uh, yeah. Anything else, Diego, that you've been up to besides drinking and brewing or have you got <laughs> others to add? <laughs> well, I've been... Uh... I've been researching a little bit some uh, apps, well, mainly for Android because I'm a fan of Android, apps for um, uh, music sight reading. Music sight reading. Sight reading, reading, like for playing the piano, especially. Okay. Sight reading, reading a a piece of music uh, more or less immediately. Well, it's something I'm very bad at, but I thought that... uh, Maybe an app would help because my main problem is with that the bass, the bass key, <laughs> bass key. <laughs> oh, the bass. Yeah, yeah. So for the left hand, and I'm, mm. I'm, 
unbelievably slow. I'm not really a, a piano player. I just happen to have people in the house who learn who are learning piano, and sometimes I want to try myself. But so I, I tried many of these sight reading apps, and I eventually I think if I have to recommend one, there's um, one called Vivace. But you have to explain what does this app do because I don't understand. Well, it, it's very simple. They are all very simple apps. The purpose is to be able just to learn to play the right note on the piano that's written on the music score, right? Ah, because so they without thinking it. too much, without mm. having to count the lines and the spaces, like ah, I yeah, usually I do that. Do. I do that as well. So you only, I only needed a simple app that would um, randomize notes, and I would have to quickly guess what is the note. But uh, I wanted it specifically for the left hand because uh, the other one is much better. It's and also to have these um, ledger lines, the little ones above and beyond the main score, that when you have very high notes or very low yeah, notes, yeah, there's yeah. a tiny line. Yeah, and yeah. Those are always a nightmare for me to figure out what note is that? What, same, same, same. That? Yeah. So I just thought maybe, you know, one minute here, one minute there, you have time to guess 30 <laughs> notes and maybe slowly it, <laughs> I start to remember them. Let's see how it goes. But this one called, I, I tried many, somewhere uh, um, like commercials, commercial versions. So I tried the demo, but I don't think it's worth to, to really pay for something like that. It's so, so small and simple and the uh, commercial ones, just had a lot of eye candies, lots of pictures, but no value. And this one called Vivace, I, I decided to settle for that. Let's see if it works in a few months, if I have improved. But you have white hair. So it's when you start having white hair, it's harder for these apps to work. Is it? Guido, <laughs> what have you been up to? Well, I... Uh... I, I bought new clothes. Normally, I, I don't. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, normally, normally, I, I I just have all old clothes, old clothes, and I wear them until there is like holes in there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I have holes. Because, yeah. Because uh, the problem is, every time when I buy something, I get some kind of guilt with it because it's all either not vegan or e either it's not vegan or it's it's made in China by child labor or something. Or ah, there's, yeah. there's always something that I think, or it's incredibly expensive. So there's always something that I think, oh, uh, never mind. I'll just not buy it and okay. I'll just wear my old clothes. So, but yeah, I thought maybe I can just buy it secondhand. Mm. <laughs> so... I found a website. Uh, it's called Good on You, and good, uh, sorry, it's called Good on You. Good on You, okay, and there's yeah. a, um, sort of listing of all kind of brands right. where you can uh, they you can sort them on if they're if they're vegan or if they're uh, oh um, okay that's a sustainable materials or so you can check this every good thing off and then. Right. You go to the website of that brand, and then you see a T-shirt is like two hundred euros, and then you think, "Holy, no way! <laughs> Let's not do that." So then I went to uh, another app, a second-hand clothing app called Vinted. That's yeah, I, I use that. I was going to say, what's the differentiator with Vinted? Now that that 
and then I put the brands in Vinted, searched mm. for the brands, and then I bought everything secondhand. A ah, lot yes. of stuff came from Italy, actually. And uh, go Italy, yeah. go uh, really cheap shipping, and uh, I got like stuff for a fraction of the price and quite nice uh, materials and yeah. So it's it's double ethical. <laughs> so mm. it's ethical brand bought second hand. So I hope I'm doing the good thing now. <laughs> well, if it travelled by cheap. plane, mm, I'm not sure then. It always travels where I plane, so... Not from, me, not from uh, Netherlands to Netherlands. Yeah, there's so not so many uh, factories making uh, t-shirts. So is that available all over Europe, that, these websites? Do, do uh, U is like an international website, but you can buy their, their stuff there, but it's just like listing every brand on there ethical behavior uh, and then Vinted I think that's a European thing I think it's from Ireland I don't know, uh, I don't know. Sure. I think you're right I think you're right it's in the UK I use it to buy my in fact I just got a pair of shoes for my son uh, so I, I really I use that a lot because I, I save so much money on shoes and stuff it's incredible yeah, yeah I think it's so, a very good idea going second hand uh, I must say that in Italy hmm People look at you in a weird way if you say that you buy secondhand clothes. Only Italy, only Italy. Yeah, and it's fine. And I used to be the same. Used to be the same. But here in Finland, the, there is a lot of secondhand uh, market of everything, really. Lots of uh, flea shops. Yeah. And uh, and I remember a few years ago that my wife suggested well, I should also try clothes. And I, I thought, no, clothes. It kind of felt weird to buy something that someone else had on like but if it's pants already. yes if it's underwear uh, obviously it was not bad. underwear <laughs> yeah and i was looking just for i tried shirts and trousers mm. and uh, i was very positively positively surprised because uh, you could find things in perfect conditions there's just a lot of people who either buy clothes uh, maybe without thinking exactly what they want or who give clothes as gifts and uh, they don't end up uh, liked at all mm, yeah. and or it doesn't uh, fit. why throwing all that stuff away or it doesn't fit someone maybe gets a few pounds on and uh, <laughs> doesn't fit anymore because i was able to find stuff that look, look new to me yeah me too mm -hmm. and same maybe some of them looked a little bit um colorful or uh, just odd i i have my my few what i call jazz shirts <laughs> <laughs> i don't know why i call them jazz shirts but they made me feel like a, a little bit uh retro uh, yeah re definitely retro yes retro but also in a way that was never on fashion like you have to go really really back and, i wonder but, what the listeners well, are thinking about yeah. like picturing you dressed like that what? yeah right <laughs> i spare you the details but <laughs> when i when i put on those i think well if i were i don't know a jazz saxophonist playing <laughs> it would fit because you have to be a little bit like um, well, freaky styly or <laughs> something like that <laughs> and i wear them and i don't care i don't i i'm fine and uh, I'm happy that uh, 
uh, they found a, a new use because otherwise maybe someone could have just thrown them away and mm. and it's insane i'll just let you know as a fun fact that i still can wear my t-shirt that i had when i was 16 i've got a snoopy t-shirt believe it or not from when i was 16 and it still fits me and how does it look I'll, I'll show you i'll bring it next time next episode i'll bring it and i'll show you okay <laughs> it's awesome it's awesome so your gym investment has been paying off <laughs> just the same size oh, you, as oh. you were when you were young yes yes and keeping fit keeping fit good stuff good stuff um anything else we from you no i yeah I, i've been playing a lot of games it's, it's insane i think i i beat like 16 games this week Oh God! <laughs> but uh, I'm not going to <laughs> subject <laughs> out to, us to that, right? Have you uh, been doing something, Andy? Very little. Me, I've, as I said, I've been very busy at work. I've been focusing a lot on on leveling my necromancer uh, the last few days, and um, my sorceress in Diablo Four. So yes, I'm them. playing. Sorry, why two? What do you mean? Why do you two? need two characters? Oh, you need all of them. You need a necromancer, you need a sorceress, you need a barbarian, which is currently 53, but I didn't level her up yet. No? And oh, then, sorry, what do you mean need? What do you mean? <laughs> hey, I want to have them all. I want to have one of each. It, it's cool, but I can see the limitations of the game. Let's say as an adult, a more mature adult, politely put, I can see a bit of the limitations of the game, but I'm, I've had a great time so far. It is... Uh, um, really a good successor to the to the number two then i i did watch a, a whole ton of reviews about starfield because i really wanted to like that game and buy it and instead what i've learned from all the reviews is many people have a lot of problems with that and i've ended up instead of buying it off the bat not buying it at all i felt i'll buy it if ever it costs one pound, I will buy it, but that's all it's worth to me. Instead, what I found and keep finding is, uh, this is all modern gaming, so I apologize for the listeners. Baldur's Gate 3 is really good, and this Outer Wilds is always, you know, Wida, you mentioned this in, I think, the previous episode or one of the other ones. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Everyone compares Starfield to Outer Wilds and how good it is and how the emotions gives you and uh, how it's so profound and it creates this incredible immersion. It's incredible. I've never tried it, but um, I'm on the fence whether to try it or not because of the art style. It's, it doesn't it, really gel with me. It, it, it doesn't look great. I, 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 I can't tell. It, it, it's true that it's not the prettiest game, mm. but I think, I think it's one of the best games I ever played. I think it's in the top three. Yeah, it's, yeah. So they say it's like really good for the listeners uh, out of wilds. Yeah, and the problem is you can't tell a lot about it because it's really yeah. spoiler heavy. So, um, but uh, yeah, it, it's really like the the feeling of space you get in that game. It's and an exploration you get in the game. It's. Uh, I, I highly recommend it. It's, I know, but I to need be, to get over the stump of the art style because, like, I saw some, I don't know, aliens or it, something. It looks, I just saw yeah, some images. It looks rough. It looks yeah. rough. It's, uh, especially compared to something like Starfield. 
which also Although is not Starfield the greatest. Although Starfield also <laughs> doesn't look, the, yeah. the, the characters don't look that great. But it's not about the characters in the Outer Worlds. So. Yeah, I need, to, I need to try it. But before I try that, I think I will get Baldur's Gate 3. I was wondering... Um, no, 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 no. Play Outer Worlds first. It's shorter. It's probably better. <laughs> well, I, I wanted to play Baldur's... And cheaper. Yeah, okay, hang on, hang on. <laughs> I wanted to play Baldur's Gate 3 maybe with you guys. That would have been nice. <laughs> but I don't know if you're into that game. I know Diego is, but I don't know you either as much. It, it sounds really time-consuming. Time <laughs> well, well, if it's anything like the first two, yes. Uh, yeah, but it looks like it's worth the time. You know, everyone's how, how really... How can we make podcasts when we play Baldur's Gate? Well, goodbye podcast. <laughs> We're coming Baldur's Gate. No, well, anyways, I don't know. I this was just an idea. It seems really compelling to me. I I was I've completely sacked the idea of buying uh, Starfield completely. Uh, I I really wanted to do that. I really wanted to experience another Fallout sort of experience because I really loved that. But no, that's not going to happen. I think Baldur's Gate's got my uh, my votes right now, and I hope later on I can buy it and play it. And hopefully with someone. So yeah, I've been up to playing the, these that that game basically Diablo, and that's about it to be honest. Uh, not much else except work. And um, yeah, my partner's gone to Germany today, so I am home alone uh, all all the evening and uh, tomorrow as well. And it's going to be interesting. And she's going to bring out some snacks, to... snacks from Germany. Prepare yourself. <laughs> But you have all the time to play Outer Wilds. So. Yeah, I will buy the Outer Wilds. I will get the sooner or later. I will go through that as well. How cool. much is it? I I don't know, but it's not it's not five pounds. <laughs> I'm 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 looking it up now. It's probably worth it. It's twenty pounds or something, probably. That, twenty three. Twenty three. Yeah, yeah. It's it's more than worth it. But anyway. <laughs> yeah, we diverge. I think it's time for us to go on to the main topics, uh, gamers. Right, yeah, I had, finally, I managed to, to properly configure some emulator here. I must say I had to use emulator. I had a, a good bunch of old uh, Amiga titles old, well, basically last year's games, but they all required uh, an Amiga 1200. Mm. And, uh, or otherwise they are, they're homebrew games, but they are distributed as um, archives of uh, essentially hard drive installations. And I don't have an Amiga 1200 and I don't have even a hard drive for the uh, the 500. So uh, you don't have a 500 because I've got yours. Yeah, but it, it's mine. Yep. <laughs> I mean, it's there on, on a vacation, but it, it's mine. <laughs> I need oh. to put it back together. <laughs> no. Oh, okay. Yeah, that would be a good idea. <laughs> no, but uh, nevertheless, I wouldn't be able to play these um, yeah. until I managed to find a 1200, but it's very pricey nowadays. Very expensive, so, yeah. So not going to happen very soon. But I really wanted to, to try these homebrew games. And uh, finally, I managed to properly set up an emulator with the hard drive emulation. And uh, uh, then I went overboard and I even emulated an Amiga 4000 just because it was better. Yeah. And So the well, higher the number, the better with Amiga? 
Mm. Maybe. Not completely sure. sure. I think the 2000, it's not that good. The the 2000 is is an Amiga 500, basically. With expansion ports, that's all. Mm -hmm. The 3000 has got a 60... I don't know, 68, 10, 16, I don't remember. A bigger, better processor, and the 4000 has an even faster processor for the Mm. times. But the 3000, did it also predate the 1200? Yes. Because the 1200 has the I think so. AGA, the advanced graphic chipset. chipset, yes. But not the 2000 and 3000 don't, don't have that. So that's another reason why, why anyway, these games um, need that more modern version of the Amiga that they, almost all the games I, I tried, they, they needed AGA chipset. All right, but anyway, I'm not going to talk too much about all the games I tried. There were there were some <laughs> cool ones. Just to mention, there were a couple of um, uh, sort of point-and-click adventures, very mm. similar to each other. One that came out just this summer called Night Shift. And uh, the other one is a bit older, maybe beginning of the year or end of 22, and it's called Neon Noir. I think I put that in my in my list. I wanted to play that as well. Um... Yeah, they, they looked... Very nice, but I must warn you that um, I th- I think there's not that much of a game there to play. It's more like interactive fiction than an actual adventure game. Oh, yeah. No. So you'll be disappointed. Night Shift, especially, that's very linear. The you can't go wrong. I mean, there is um maybe one thing in every location that you can do or if there is another wait 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 sorry what kind of game is it a point and click apparently but there is very little to click that's the the problem with it point (laughs) Mm. there's many locations but in each location there is usually one thing and you can either do it or it tells you i don't feel like doing this now Mm. right so you're gonna have to come back later and do it later and it's um there's not much choice even in the dialogues i you have choices in the dialogues but i get the feeling that it didn't really matter right so it and doesn't the, change the ending i don't think so it, it's so um, it's like more like an interactive novel it is yeah that's that's what i think it is not much to play really so it wasn't bad i mean interesting story about uh conspiracies um both these games are set in the near future so mildly dystopic but no aliens no robots or things like that not too far in the future neo-noir is a little bit better in terms of uh, the game itself you a little bit more traditional so you have to figure out how do i get into this bar to talk to people how do i do this other thing how do i get the password for this so uh, you have to think a little bit, but uh, I haven't finished it, the second one, so not sure. Is this yeah, more like a point-and-click adventure then? Yeah, I I still think we are very far away from, uh, say, Monkey Island or games that have a lot of quests you can choose to do first or later, and they interact with each other. Oh, yeah. They are small games after all, small homebrew games. Did you finish this one? You said no. I finished Night Shift. Not, not the Neon no, 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 not yet. So that's a bit longer, it seems. Um, 
I think they are probably both like a couple of hours gameplay altogether. Mm. Do you know how big uh, Neonoir is in terms of disk space? How many disks or something? I don't know. No, I don't know because uh, they they were all distributed as um, hard disk pre-installed packages. So I could take a look at how many megabytes it, it is, but it's not distributed in the disks. I was just thinking, I don't know how, how many, I don't remember how many floppies Monkey Island was. So you can have a comparison sort mm. of uh, in how much length. Okay, that, that's a good point. But uh, yeah, hard to tell. Also, so, Monkey Island had voice acting? Also, or not, not on, on the Amiga? Amiga? No, no. Okay, then I, I move quickly forward. Tried also not, another game that that's not a point and click. Nice game, sadly also very short, but I would recommend it anyway. It's called Maria Renard's Revenge. It's a very much a Castlevania type of game. I like it. I liked it. I like the novelty of the attacks of the main character because she essentially has pets that attacks the enemies. What's the story? Well, very simply, she's a vampire hunter. So the levels are all like uh, creepy looking. There's a caverns level, castle level, graveyard level, and so on. And the monsters are uh, that kind of type. There are vampires eventually, but there's dragons and gargoyles and uh, other creepy things. So you're hunting a vampire, I assume, and then you have to reach the last uh, level to find this vampire. Mm. Nice one for Halloween. Yeah, yeah, but uh, it's it's also very short. I think you can finish it uh, in uh, also a couple of hours. Uh, it might be n- oh, really? not super easy. It's essentially a platform after all, but uh, there are places where they might catch you unprepared. But for example, the, the bosses are pretty easy, I think. that Maybe they each boss killed me once, and then second try I beat them. It, it's a, it's a pretty easy game, in my opinion. Maria Renard is also a Castlevania uh, character. Character, yeah. So, so, this, so in this it, case, she's the prime character in this ah, game. Okay. Yeah, you can also play her uh, in uh, in uh, Rondo of Blood. If, if you unlock her, you can unlo- it's an unlockable character. I, I thought, <laughs> where is that uh, name familiar of? But yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's just, yeah, just that character and it's exactly that sprite. Looks nice. It's not a Metroidvania, I think, right? It's just a classic, classic Castlevania-like game. Yeah, yeah. I think it's. I think that's the idea. Yes, and um, I think it was developed using the Scorpion engine. Oh yeah. For uh, Amiga, uh, I I think that the game looks pretty nice. Yeah. Sadly, yeah, it's they they use the sprites of, of Konami. So, <laughs> oh, they, all right, okay, didn't notice. That. I think so. I think so. It looks exactly like uh, mm, okay. a Rondo of Blood sprite. <laughs> Hope it doesn't get into any trouble for that. So, right, okay, but that's not the game I wanted to talk about because eventually, after no, all this, looking around, I wanted around, to ask about that. Oh. Does it have any should... modern game design? Well, the novelty for me was uh, the shooting that the main character does so she basically just releases some birds. Mm, white doves yeah i think yeah, that's doves, their, her attack birds. in uh, castlevania too 
mm, and they're kind of moving around. It's a very short range attack, so it's um, it makes sometimes a little tricky to get okay. some enemies. You have to like maneuver carefully, or maybe go around the enemies and attack them from behind. But in some points of the game, you also find other pets. Like you can uh, have a cat. That's kind of a long range attack, but uh, the <laughs> cat doesn't fly. Cat obviously, it doesn't, <laughs> the cat just just runs from you uh, to the end of the screen. So it's longer range, but it's running, so it can't fly. It has to go like straight on the platform. So, which one does more damage, the cat or the doves? Oh, that's a good question because <laughs> I think all most of the creatures they just die in one hit, so it doesn't matter. So I would have had to take a look at uh, at the bosses or some intermediate bosses. So that they can intercept reason. your shot. Basically, they can kill the critter before it arrives, and then and then it dies. Basically, I don't. Uh, they they don't really die, your pets. I think uh, you just said that if they shoot if they shoot the critter. I don't know what you mean. Then sorry. No, no, you are shooting the critter, so to speak. Meaning that oh, when you shoot, but the critter they they can't shoot it, and so yeah, it will always uh, arrive to the boss or to wh wherever you're shooting it. Like the doves, if you shoot the doves, <laughs> it's quite funny. Then. The boss can't shoot the doves. The doves are like the projectile, basically. Yeah, I don't think I don't think they can. Right. It's happening quite fast because it's very short range, and they're coming back to you, like the circle a bit around you, and they can come. That's like a boomerang. The, the something boomerang like doves. that, but short, very short range. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, it sounds like the regular attacks of her in Rondo of Blood. So All right. Okay. It's, it's it's not that different. But okay, but I have I haven't seen that before, so for me it was. Yeah, no, a... normally you play with another character, but you can unlock her, and she's like the easy character for that game, uh, because oh. she has more long-range attacks. I want to throw a lion. It's it's actually a really great game, Rondo of Blood. Really hard as well. I know, I know. I've I've put it as my one in one of my to play games on my uh, PC, PC engine. Correct. Yes. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Nice. Sorry, Diego. Uh, yeah, you oh. can move on now <laughs> to the main game. Uh, yeah, yeah. Sorry about this long banter, but the game I actually wanted to bring tonight for Amiga still, it's called Rogue Declan Zero. It's a name your own price game on each.io late 2022, but I just found it uh, a few months ago by John Gervin, also known as Nivrig. In, uh, on each.io. And it, this game is the winner of uh, a competition called Amiga Game Jam in 2022. So what is this game? Well, it's uh, essentially a roguelite twin stick shooter with the tagline, how deep can you go, meaning in the dungeons. So you get some procedurally generated dungeons made of rooms and you are Sir Declan, a small knight in armor fighting these demons that in the first dungeon they really look to me like uh, the Greek letter Pi, 
rather than demons for some reason. But um, the point of the game is that you essentially have to stop this demon infestation by finding the portal that is apparently the cause of all these demons. There's a special room in the dungeon with the portal. You need to go and destroy the portal. But um, you get single-screen rooms with various exits exits here and there. Mm -hmm. And... uh, To the top-down, basically. Top-down map, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can shoot in eight directions. Well, there are actually many options for controlling your character. You can also play with a simple joystick instead of twin twin stick and uh, and just shoot with a, with a fire button, so classic Amiga joystick, nothing else. Yeah, yeah. And um, at the beginning, uh, it will feel like it's too easy because these demons are slow. They don't shoot you back. They just try to approach you, but it's very easy to just navigate around them if you don't want to shoot them for some reason so they're not that few so they may surround you sometimes and they also respawn every now and then so you can't just wait there forever in a room anyway in every room there's also lots of chests that you have to shoot and then from these chests you can get many different things the the things you really need are three or more shards basically some magic items that you will need to shoot the portal close at in at the very end of of the dungeon so you won't you won't fight it in the same way as you fight the demons where do you find the shards they are hidden Uh within some of these chests so basically you just need to go around all the rooms avoid the demons, destroy the chest, see what's inside. And when when you're ready, you need to have enough shards to fight the portal. And you, I think you also need to find the key that opens that final room. Otherwise, from the chest, you get lots of other bonuses like a bonus life uh, or a, a speed boost or, some, or anything like that. And you can even find uh, gold that you can spend. So usually in every dungeon, there's a little door somewhere that leads to a shop. Yeah. And there you can spend the gold you found for some more permanent bonuses, like permanent uh, speed bump or more hearts. You actually have only one life in this game, but you have hearts representing your health. Mm -hmm. So you can get more of them or uh, you can buy a better armor there is something here that looks like a shield probably i don't know so next to your hearts there's a Mm. there's six hearts and then there's uh six empty things maybe shields and then it says cast a bomb have you got bombs as well no well okay those are the shards they look Ah, like shields but they are shards and uh as you go farther in levels you will need more and more shards to to destroy the portal of that level um well, among other things, you can you can buy these these bombs or other other stuff like. Um, sorry, that it's a little bit complicated to explain, but <laughs> right. So if you want, you can just uh, 
keep pre- pressed the fire button and uh, it keeps uh, shooting like out of fire. Mm-hmm. But there's a limit to that. So there's a little counter that goes down, sort of energy or something like that. I think that uh, this weapon is supposed to be a sort of magical caster sword or something like that. And uh, so if you fire too fast, this bar gets to zero and then you're forced to fire very slowly. So you, you have to conserve a little bit that. You can't just keep shooting everywhere. Sometimes you need to stop and wait a little bit for recharge. But you can also buy a faster, faster uh, recharge if you want. So there's already a little number of things to think about. But now the, the real fun of this game is that you'll see after the first couple of dungeons that are pretty easy, things start to get quite challenging. So every new dungeon has new monsters. So it's not, it's not just those demons, but then you get orcs that needs maybe two shoots to be killed. Then at third level, you have these little devils, which also shoot you back. Then you get blue minis. I don't know how they're called, which explode. Then you get uh, some indestructible enemies and so on. And other things are added like prisoners to be freed or traps that shoot when you, when you pass on top of them. So it starts to get a little bit more uh, crowded, this game, after the first couple of levels. And it's also a lot more challenging. A lot more challenging, and therefore, for me, it's a lot of fun. I think I really like Gauntlet series at the time. But this looks really cute. The graphics looks really nice. I, I'm, I'm obviously just basing on some screenshots that I'm looking at. So, but It, does it looks look great, but it also plays really well in my opinion. Nice. So, so how does playable. that work with uh, an Amiga and a twin stick shooter? Do you use two joysticks or do you have a special? But now since I play this on, on an emulator, I could use uh, any controller that I want with it. Hmm. That's a good question. How, how do you play it on Amiga? But as I said, uh, there's also the basic control scheme where uh, you, you just shoot in whatever direction you're moving. So, it says you, you are multiple control schemes, including the amazing new Abstraction Games Twin <laughs> Abstraction <laughs> Games Twin Stick controller. So apparently they have a special controller mm. made for Amiga. Okay. With two sticks. Oh, I wonder yeah. if it plugs into both the joystick ports at once, and using as if using two to play as joysticks or something like that. Interesting. Well, and I, I, think there's I quite wonder a how many games that will support. Yeah, I probably mean, not many, but uh, as I said, this was done for a competition and it actually won the competition and oh, it already has uh, some following. So, for example, when, uh, well, when you finally die in this game, you get a code that you can share online and so your score will be published, so you can see it's like a ladder who's leading the leaderboards right now. Yeah, yeah. And it, I, I think that's a very, very, very well-made game, really. And I could totally see how this could be addictive in a sense. Maybe the only thing that I wish it was possible is also for a two-player version of it. It would probably be more fun, but then obviously 
probably can't be a twin stick. You have to <laughs> just play one joystick each, but uh, it will be even even more fun. So I see from the screenshots here there is some XP as well going on. Yeah, we, definitely. Just, I assume the experience. What does that? How does that work in the game? Yeah, uh, you get XP by killing critters, destroying chests, and stuff. And uh, every now and then, when you reach the threshold, you are promoted to the next. Uh, title so i think at the beginning you are a zero then you turn into a knave then a squire a rogue and so on so it's like named levels for your character and uh, it's it's another way to keep track of your of your progress in addition to the number of dungeons that you can you can beat and does that affect gameplay like does it so if you get higher titles does that make you stronger or does it just this is just a cosmetic sort of title. So I'm, I'm not exactly sure because I, I was pretty busy playing the game, didn't notice <laughs> if anything went up. Uh, and also because I, I kept buying more hearts, especially uh, more, more life strength. So maybe it doesn't affect anything like that, but I'm not completely sure because as I said, it, it's, kind of a, it's kind of a game that makes you want to be very attentive of what goes on on the screen and not so much about your your xp to be honest i'd rather usually just see at the end when i when i die i see what kind of level have i reached yeah yeah it looks good it looks good um i like it i like the the art style it it, it looks a bit simple though for amiga i, I would have expected yeah but higher it moves graphical really fast. fidelity yeah that's true but yeah it almost looks like an nes game to me, no, well, maybe a little bit, yes. But I, I also think it has a very typical Mika graphic, and this one uh, actually doesn't require the Aga chip. It's, I was uh, going to say this looks like a thirty-two color, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This this one is a, a lot more normal game. I think it it's playable on a even a five hundred Amiga, but it might need a. Memory expansion, at least RAM like expansion. Like one mega, one megabyte. Mm. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, it's not very demanding in terms of um, of hardware. I've got some screenshots here that you can find on itch.io, so um, mm. that's why I'm looking at. And there's like a, this one which has got some purple tiles, and then it's got like a corridor at the top and a corridor at the bottom. Can you just go through? Wait a second, I I have to see it because I, I otherwise think it's I'm... probably uh, flip screen. It doesn't, it doesn't really it's matter. Scrolling, probably. There, yeah, but also, can you go to the next part of the level without finish? I thought it was like a more like a one, a one screen. You have to complete that screen, and then yes. you move and you move to the next. But here, it seems like it's open. You know, it's got like a corridor. The green no, screen. Oh, it's, it's just a, a room like that. And you can't go down. Then it will stop there. It will so, go to the next room. I uh, so you can go to the next room. Yes. The you can i think the exits are always open you don't have to finish a room you can uh, just go through and uh, go to the next room if you want oh, okay okay so is there a respawn then there's a respawn but not in the sense that uh, when you come back to the room they just respawn from the beginning it's it's time based meaning a few seconds after you are in a room they all spawn out together. And then if after maybe 30 seconds or something like that, 
another wave spawns. Okay. Okay. So if you haven't finished uh, killing all the previous one, you might get even more Ooh. at the same time. It can be uh, really hectic, probably. Yeah. So if you go out and back in, you will continue basically where you've left off and then the yeah. next wave will spawn. I see, I see. And then there's these like red things on the walls. It's like for the listeners, this is magic podcasting. So you have walls and then there's like banners attached to the walls, I'm guessing. Is that cosmetic only? Because it's the only different different tiles that I can see. I think it's only cosmetic, yes. Mm. It's good. It does look good, to be honest. Uh, it makes me want to try this. I think it looks bet better than than those screenshots that you're looking at. Uh, yeah, I saw it's some probably videos looking as well. better in motion. Than and it's very, very, fluid, very, very fluid in animation also. It really, really... It also sounds quite good. What Maybe. sort of soundtrack has it got? Techno soundtrack. Mm, I see yeah. it's made by uh, Hoffman. It's... Um, oh, is uh, it? He's made everything. That's why it's good moving. Yeah, there you go. No, the audio. The audio is made Oh, the audio. Oh, so it is te- must be techno then. And DJ Me-Tune. Mm. I think it uh, sounds a little bit like classic soundtracker music to me, but that's good. I it's like strange, it. It's strange that you like it then, Diego, because you don't really like uh, like uh, dance music, do you? No, but uh, I like the sound of uh, Amiga uh, samples, typical samples. Yeah, I don't like me. I mean, I don't like listening to that kind of music just because. But in a in a game, I think it sounds very very classic Amiga. So I liked it definitely. That's really cool. And I, I'm looking here, it says 40 billion dungeons. So I, I'm guessing this is all procedurally generated. Yes. 40 billion dungeons. No, but uh, uh, mm, I doubt that me- it really means what you think it means. Uh, well, what, what does it mean? I don't know. I'm just reading well, on the, on well, the trailer. Procedurally generated, uh, it, uh, it sounds like it can go on almost forever like that. But... Uh, I have to say that when I look at the leaderboard, the top ones all said level 10. So I haven't reached that point. And I'm not sure if it means that it just gets so difficult that nobody, no human has ever made it to 11. Or uh, does it mean that um, procedurally generated is only in the sense that when you play the next game, it is different from the previous? I think that's the case. Or maybe, that- or maybe there's an ending to it at level 10 i haven't reached 10 i haven't finished level 10 because so. you could if, if i look in the high scores you there's also a play mode called endless and there they have people called uh, there's people two people on the leaderboard one with level 12 and one with level 11 so okay okay probably notice that i think level 10 is the the latest level maybe there's a final boss or something yeah. Mm. Maybe this one is a good for a high score challenge. Yeah, why not? It seems like yeah. you can go as far, you know, it, it will probably have an ending if you get 40 billion of uh, of levels or you know. I'm curious to see how how far picks can go <laughs> on this one. <laughs> mm-hmm. <gasps> yeah, it looks great. Yeah. A, a bit like uh, Enter the Gungeon, the uh, modern game or uh, Nuclear Throne. It's also like a procedurally generated roguelike twin stick shooter games (laughs) 
Wow, that's a mouthful. It's, it's the longest title, longest, longest genre. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, uh, Andy, what have you been playing? Um, so I've been playing something a bit different this time. I've been testing one game for the Atari uh, 2600, which is not my preferred <laughs> platform, as you all know. I think it's rubbish, but I think... <laughs> sorry, sorry, listeners. I, I don't like that platform at all, to be honest. I think it's not good. The graphics are really bad, so I, need to I needed to find something to hook my limited attention span to it for uh, a little while. And I found um, there's there's basically a whole homebrew community doing games for the 2600, and I was surprised at how, how many games there were. So I found this one. It looked very appealing, let's say, relatively speaking, uh, for the 2600. You can't say good-looking. And it's called Bot and Tom, <laughs> which is quite funny, actually. It was previously called Top and Tom. So this game is like a, I'll try and do like a very simple comparison. If you know Flappy Birds, it's just a continuously scrolling thing and you have to mm. flap up and down. Endless Runner. An Endless Runner. And we have this in uh, Top and Tom 2, which is basically a, sort of a clone. I think the, the author is called Thomas Jensuch, or Jensch. I'm not sure I'm pronouncing the name right. You can find his entry on Atari Age, and he he's made this based on a modern game and a browser game uh, that you can find. It we'll try if we have the time. <laughs> put the links into the into our show notes. It's a browser game you can play, and he really liked it and thought, "Oh, this can really be in, you know ported to the twenty six hundred." Like we said before, there are some games that can be totally be ported over, and this was one of them, and. It's a sort of an endless runner with uh, a little uh, truck, sort of, sort of truck, I don't know what to call it, to be honest, a little thing with wheels. But it's a bit different from uh, what we're used to as a runner. So you have like a mirror image of yourself. So imagine this. So you have a screen with a, a line in the middle, and then you have these two little cars sort of that are on the specular, so they're mirrored one to another. And you have to jump in this endless runner, similar to similarly to Flappy Birds, instead of um, flapping, you just jump, and you have to avoid all the collision course on the top part of the screen. But also, the guy on the bottom also has to avoid the collision course, which is different. So you have a different collision course on the top part of the screen to the bottom. To do that, so the, the line is horizontal. Correct. Did I say vertical? No, but you said just said line, so... <laughs> oh, there's, a, there's a horizontal, <laughs> there's a horizontal line. in the middle, okay, yeah. So, yeah. and you have a car on top so of it. So you've got two, two runners car on the going to, Yes, together at the same, in the same place. And the, the obstacles are different on each side of the screen. And you have to make both of them avoid the obstacles. So are they, is your movement also mirrored? Or is, do you so control one and, or you, the other? You can control, so there's two modes, basically. You can, you can play in two players. One controls bottom, uh, Tom, sorry, bot. Uh, <laughs> and the other one controls Tom. Uh, but if you're playing a single player game, which is what I did, you control both. And okay. to control both, you have to basically, you can move left or right, so you can decrease or go a bit further left, be further right. Uh, but you don't alter the speed of the game. But then 
you have to jump. And when you jump, you, you press up, you don't press fire. You press jump, you press up, and the, um, and the top character, the top car, jumps. And then you basically have to either let it go, and then the, the dynamics, the physics engine in it, will actually, you know, put it down like an elastic band really quickly. And that will make the bottom one also jump in response to that. Oh, so, wow. So you have to do this like sort of elastic band exercise while you're playing them. Um, and it's really interesting because you can also make the elastic band work uh, as you wish to some extent. So if you're jumping on the top line of the screen very far, you can pull down on the, on the joystick while you're jumping and that shortens the jump and it makes it unnaturally uh, short and then enhances the bump on the bottom one. I, it's, it's a bit complicated for me to explain in English because I'm not a native English speaker, but I don't know if you get the, the gist of it. You're kind of going elastic band, top bottom. You're, you're just jumping. It's like a sort of trampoline in the middle of the screen. Yeah, it's which very bizarre. Both sides or something. Yes, yes. Yeah. It's a very unique game, I thought. And that held my attention for a little while on the 2600, which is a great achievement to pull mm. off for, an, for a 2600 <laughs> yeah, <we> game for me. <laughs> well, the mechanic seems uh, quite interesting indeed. Yeah, I thought this is a game that Diego would like because there's no graphics and it's just gameplay. Yeah, why not? Why not? <laughs> so why how not? does it look on the Atari? I, I can find screenshots. It's just blocks or? Um, I mean, there's some videos, I think, around as well because I couldn't test a two-player. Um, mm. But um, I, I, did, I, I did some research on how it works and basically... The bottom, I think, becomes independent from the top, and you and you have to work together to avoid all these obstacles. Now, you don't have this is a part of modern game design. You don't have lives as such. You have an energy bar. So every time you hit an obstacle, the energy bar goes down, and you go around it. And then there are, let's say, lots of levels of difficulty, which makes it um, which makes it playable for me <laughs> with my very very poor skills so let's say you can choose from a very simple level where the obstacles are very small and uh, so they're not very tall and not very large because either if they're tall or large you in both cases you have to do quite a long jump uh, and and you can start off like that and then you can get more increasing increasing increasingly difficult sorry let's say that again increasingly difficult levels where there's more variation so you really have to be very responsive with the joystick and pull up and down really quickly so the one below actually responds in time to get his his thing going uh, and and jump the obstacles below and then you start finding some other um, bonuses like shields so later on when it starts to get more difficult you can introduce shields and I think there's some um, bullets as well. I'm not too sure about this. I didn't reach that, this point. But I saw the shields, uh, how they work. And basically, they avoid you. You don't get as much damage, basically, if you have a shield on uh, when you mm. go through an object. And it becomes... The levels are not very long themselves. Uh, they're about a bunch of minutes, two, three minutes a level. And you can get through them relatively quickly. Uh, I think it's a good game, to be honest. I, I'm surprised I'm, <laughs> I'm saying this for the 2600. But... It, it's one of those games where 
ported from a modern game and um, it's not an original concept by all means but um, it's one that I was was able to bear on the 2600 uh, quite interesting in my opinion uh, but wouldn't this game be incredibly easy when you play two player because that, like the mechanic of bumping the other uh, car down that's the difficulty I think if you both mm. control your own car, then it's probably well, really I guess easy. It, it depends whether they're still bound by this whatever elastic band that they have. Maybe what one character does it anyways influences what the second character. From what I know, I think it works this way. So you, as a the player at the top, bounce at the top. And then whatever acceleration you've got reflects on the person at the bottom that then has to adjust to that acceleration that you've given them. But that's my understanding of it. All right. Well, looks like uh, a fun modern game design game for Atari. Which is, yeah, I find uh, it extremely entertaining that there's quite a, quite a big community uh, doing games for the 2600. And the things they come up with are pretty impressive, to be honest. This I know graphically the 2600 is a piece of beep, but <laughs> but this doesn't You don't look, like E.T.? I do not like any of those games that are made on the 2600 <laughs> at all, to be honest. But amazingly, this doesn't look as bad as some other ones that I've played. But I th- it, yeah. it proves that it, it doesn't matter as... I know you have a very different opinion than me on this, but it proves that it, it doesn't really matter how powerful it is. You you can figure out even in the most minimalistic kind of game, if you nail the mechanic, it's interesting enough. It can be fun, even if it looks whatever it looks. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah I even be. play modern indie games which look like Pong and uh, still are really great. Yeah, uh, yeah Because the they plays. throw in really nice new mechanics. Yeah. Uh, it could be really nice. You don't have to be like a graphical, like Bioware kind of game or what to be no, good. No. For sure, for sure. And this is, uh, we had the, another one, one of the first episode, Cheesy Trials, was on the VIC-20. I thought that game was really nice. I really spent a lot of time on that, to, uh, to be honest, and I wasn't expecting that. And the graphics on that, are, let's say, maybe heresy but on the same par of or on par with 2600 so i don't know uh this this one was really playable to me and um the elastic band effects was, is really well done so congratulations to <laughs> to the author who made this possible um again there, there there's more to explore I'm not sure I will be doing it, but maybe someone else can have a look at something. Oh, oh maybe I'll give it a try. From the 2600. Yeah, it, I think it's not, not too bad, um, to be honest. It's, uh, you, you can spend By some the time... By can you find it on each.io or is it uh, Atari Age? So you can find the downloads on Atari Age. Uh, so it's called... Um, well, I won't read the URL, but it's called Bottom Was Top Tom 2. And then there's different versions of it. So there's, I think the most recent one is 0.9 at today's date. So um, it has uh, an excruciating number of downloads. Incredible number, 248 downloads. 
one of them is. No, no, the Bot and Tom version one dot zero one. Yeah, so, so yeah. Everyone who listens to this, just download this game. Just download <laughs> it, don't play it, just, just make the, the numbers increase. <laughs> but good effort. I don't even know if there is a an engine or if it is it like you have to program these games of the 2600 by wiring some cables and making some short circuits and then it will program for something. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so basic. But there are some, yeah, there, there are some good games. Um, I, I quite like Top and Tom too. Uh, it's incredible I'm saying this, but yeah, I, I, I think Diego, you like the one, there was a one of bank, banks and robbers. And I think uh, this is very similar in, in respect, like uh, moves really quickly. And I think you'd enjoy this especially. Uh, the, the Atari 2600 can do more than you think, I think, because uh, the other homebrew podcast, the homebrew game club did mm. Aguna for on 2600, and they said it was really nice as well. So oh, yeah. sort of Zelda kind of game. So as you said, we need possible. to find some good games. Yeah, yeah. I think this one is. It's not like a very you know long game or profound game or something deep and, uh, but you know. I wasn't expecting the 2600 to keep me entertained. So it's a good find in my opinion. Cool. Okay. So I've also been playing uh, another game, which is not necessarily super new, but maybe someone's not heard of it yet. And it's called, oh God, no, I have to redo this. I have to cut this bit because I forgot. Oh God, 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 God. What's it called? Night. Oh my God. Unholy night, the darkness. Hunter. Yeah. Yes. It's called, uh, oh my God. <laughs> what a title. Hang on a second. What a bad title. I don't remember it anymore. Unholy Night, Unholy Night. Dark something. Where did I put it? Unholy Night, The Darkness Hunter. The Darkness Hunter. Hunter. That's what it was. Unholy Night, The Darkness Hunter for the SNES. Great game. No, it's not. It's not a great game. So what is this? This is a fighting game for the SNES, which is super, super interesting that they've made a fighting game for the SNES. I was really enthralled. Even it, I think this was published quite a few years uh, ago. So in 2017. And yeah, it's a fighting game. And it's made for them from the same guys that have been doing SNK games like Samurai Showdown. I think it is. People who are familiar with fighting games. The character selection is uh, pretty low, so a pretty low count. We've got six, not including the, the final boss, which we don't know if we can play. So we've got Blaze, Kronos, Wurtle, which uh, is sort of a werewolf, uh, the blanker of this crew. Uh, a woman named Nightmare that looks like uh, one of the Darkstalkers lady, which now uh, eludes my memory. Reinhard and Emily, which is another woman. So yeah, we got women in this fighting game as well. Of course they are. It's, imp it's important in the fighting game. Oh, yes. There are different modes in this game. So we've got a story mode, which is pretty short because we've got only six characters. We've got a player versus player mode, which you can play with your buddy. Uh, then you have a survival mode where you iterate through the characters until you basically they become too difficult to beat. And then we have a practice mode where you actually, you know, try your moves out. The game has elements of modern game design in the form of a gauge. So like a modern fighter has gauges that fill up to pull off combos. And that works. The only thing is 
the gauge fills up differently for each character uh, and you need to trigger certain conditions for it to fill up. You can't really put your finger on what the conditions are. However, they are written in the manual and the manual is just absolutely hilarious in English and makes no sense. So it's very difficult to figure out how to fill this gauge up. And you can use the, the gauge if you're the opponent to cancel those uh, special moves as well. But to pull them off is very difficult. I've ne I've not been able to to do anything. <laughs> I've not been able to. So, to pull so it's harder than Street Fighter. The real problem, move. I think, is that the the implementation of the fighting game, even if the graphics are nice and everything, is not smooth at all. So it's really choppy. This makes it really hard to find the right time to do the right move. Plus, you're on a joypad, so it becomes even harder especially when you have to pull down and then up to make a big jump. And that happens more often than you'd expect. The game per se is not very difficult. I managed to finish it all in about half an hour because, you know, I'm not a super fighter, but uh, I got through it by button mashing all the time. Uh, I didn't really pull any of the big moves off because I really didn't understand them. And again, if you read the manual, they tell you uh, some they give you some information, but it's written in such a hilarious way, and it's not very understandable at all. <laughs> Anyways, I reach the end to f fight the final boss, certain Catatonia or Catatonia or Macedonia or Catalonia. I don't know. He's a strange monster that goes around, has uh, only the upper body, no legs. Moves around, drops some lightning from the top, and makes a very strange noise like barking when he attacks, which is quite funny, uh, like a devil dog. And then you can teleport. Other than that, uh, you know, it wasn't too difficult and very short and choppy and bad controls. The manual is really bad as well. <laughs> what can you do? But uh, is is there any reason to play this over any other Super Nintendo fighting game? Well, for the sake of the podcast, I tried this game, but I would not recommend uh, at all. <laughs> okay. <laughs> As but a, as are there any redeeming qualities in this game? <laughs> well, uh, uh, I think the uh, if you're really, really passionate about fighting games, I want to see all the fighting games, Then, and you want a new one for USNES, then yes, I think you can buy this on Amazon still for, I think, $18 or something, which is not much. But um, I have to agree with some other reviewers and some other people I spoke to, uh, like my, you know, I've got a friend who's a collector and he also told me that this game wasn't great. So, you know, we kind of, usually we, we agree on things, but sometimes we don't, but this one was one of the cases where, yeah, we were on the same page again and yeah, this game is not one of the best ones I've ever seen. It, it's looks, really... it looks great in screenshots. <laughs> Well, try it and then tell me what you think compared to a uh, another SNES fighter game. It's what I find a bit baffling is that these people that make S that made SNK titles then uh, and decided to make this new game for the SNES were you know unable to <laughs> to make, make a game that to, mm. that that moves in a, and was smooth to play. There are plenty of other titles, I think, like, I think there was a Street Fighter 2 on the SNES, yeah. which I used to play. It's perfectly fine. And that was, yeah, that was good. I mean, uh, not the Amiga counterpart, just because today, Diego, you were talking about the Amiga, but there was a uh, Street Fighter 2 on the Amiga, and it was terrible. <laughs> I remember. 
So, uh, yeah, I find it a bit odd that that's, this has happened, to be honest, and um, quite shocked. But um, if you want to have a laugh, look at the manual and uh, and read the instructions. The story mode is also hilarious. I, I have no clue. So uh, no translations, no, not really. Probably Google Translate in the worst of days when it's had some hangover is <laughs> i don't know how they translated this i honestly don't there's some really weird sounds stuff. like a train wreck <laughs> yeah it's just one of those titles that let's say completely opposite to some other ones like we've seen before you know there's some titles that i've made that we've seen um i don't know i think diego was talking about uh super cooked on the snes which is i mean it's a different genre but it was made with a lot of polish and a lot of care Mm. And this one, probably the same, but didn't, didn't really come across like made with polish and care. Just a bit of, as you said, a train wreck. Mm. All right. Unfortunate. Okay, let's, to let's talk about a good game then. Yeah. You, t <laughs> you tell us about a good game, Rita. Please help us. Help us in this helpless podcast. <laughs> so the game I bring is Always Awakening for the NES. Um Originally, that game uh, released on uh, all modern platforms, so uh, on Steam and on uh, uh, Switch and on every modern plat platform you, you can think of. Uh, and that was actually released in 2017. No. And that already looked like an NES game, but it was just a game which looks like an NES game, for example, like Shovel Knight. And it also was quite popular game uh, at the time and in 2021 they decided to release an NES port of the game and uh, of course it's ported so it's a little bit uh, less graphical fidelity mm -hmm. but uh, um, it still looks almost the same uh, I, I played both to, to compare and uh, uh, yeah, it's only they changed a little bit, like the color palette, uh, the NES color palette is a little bit less, so the colors are a little bit uh, less, the enemies have a little bit less uh, colors, and also uh, the screen resolution is a little bit tinier, so they have to uh, change the levels a bit to fit everything in, but other than that, it's practically the same game. It's It's one of those games I really like. It's a a Metroidvania again. It's, uh, <laughs> okay. Can't seem to go away from this genre. <laughs> it's just a really good genre. It's really fun. Uh, so um, I call, call those games um, uh, gated exploration games. Yeah. Um, so basically it's a platformer in a sort of open world where you have to find items to progress in the world. So sometimes you see like a high ledge and you you can't jump on it yet. So you have to continue in the world and find an item to get on there. Mm. And normally on uh, in uh, uh, Metroidvanias, you get a double jump to get up on there. This game is a little bit different. They, they decided to change up the items, the typical items of uh, Metroidvanias, which is really fun. So let's get started by the start. Um, so we don't have a whip or we do, or we do have a whip. Like Jesse Jacob. Now I'm thinking you Jesse have, you, you have a, a, a magic wand 
uh, initially you wash onto the island of Alwa and uh, you don't have a weapon yet. So you walk around and you think uh, what to do. So you have to uh, avoid every enemy and search around. And eventually you find the magic wand. And that magic wand you can use to uh, kill enemies. But it's really like short ranged. Yes. And um, also you can remove like big boulders which are in your way. So that's the first thing, uh, first item you can fi uh, find to progress more into the world. So then you explore more in the world and you uh, remove those bricks and then you can find more items. Um, yeah, so uh, the, the game opens up more and more and when you uh, find more items and uh, eventually you find like Zelda a bit like dungeon-like areas um, where the item can be found. And for that, um, when you find the item, there's also a boss in that dungeon who needs that item to get killed. Um, right. the, fun thing, it, the fun thing is of this uh, game is that if you think, oh, this boss is too hard for me now, then you can just not do it. You can just go and explore the world more uh, until you're more powerful. Uh, which is really unique for um, a Metroidvania. Normally, you have to like th that could be a brick wall, and that you yeah, you have to pass. you have to go through it. Yeah. Uh, but now you can think, okay, uh, this is a bit too hard for me, and then uh, you just explore the world more with your new acquired item. Uh, you can find more places and more uh, items to maybe uh, kill that boss. And one of those ways is uh, finding gems in the world. And if you find multiple gems, I think. 20 or something, the health bar of every boss gets lower. Oh, that's cool. That's, that's a neat idea. So uh, you get really rewarded for exploring the whole world because there's also like fake walls everywhere. So you, when you go into, jump into a wall, then suddenly there's no wall and then you find a new hidden room and there's maybe some gems there. So uh, that way you get really... Uh, an idea of mm -hmm. so it gives you also some good replay um, value that sometimes you want to check with your bits it's really fun to uh eventually find all the items which i also did yeah widow um, and your your <laughs> fixation on completion <laughs> when a game is fun you uh, want to beat it and want to 100 percent it um, but what i said um this game is quite different from other metrophanias it's more puzzle and movement oriented than battle oriented so the items you get uh, is um, you can get a brick which you can push around so uh, when you have that brick you can uh, either put it on buttons or something to open up a door uh, and you get sort of like sokoban brick pushing oh, okay. puzzles but then like you go like sokoban yeah but then side scrolling so and also you get a bubble and on that bubble you can jump so you can jump a little higher so you you make a bubble it floats up for a short while and when you jump on it then you can jump on a higher ledge but what's the uh, story in this because uh metroidvania maybe you honestly you... <laughs> metroidvanias i don't really care about uh, uh 
about the story, but uh, let's see, there was a story somewhere. Okay. <laughs> I think it's like a manual story. story What's a manual you, story? Just a story in a manual. Oh. That you, it doesn't get too much explained in the game. Or but not that I, I, can I like remember. its story. I'm a sucker for a story. I like I like story driven oh, stuff. Oh man, all those uh, exposition, all those people talking about to me. I hate it in games. <laughs> well, I don't like that either. But I like I like a story, you know. Or like, oh, you know, save the princess is a story. That's as simple okay. as it can the be. Okay, the protagonist Zoe is magically transported to the land of Alwa, where she must rescue the helpless citizens from an evil overlord and his henchmen. Oh, there you go. It's okay. Well, so that's, that's a story. It. Oh, that's yeah. yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, but you you immediately see when you go on your map screen, you see that you you miss like four gems, and those gems are rewarded when you uh, kill bosses, and when you have four all the four gems, you can find uh, a door which will open to a new area of the like the end area of the game. Yeah. Uh, so the the story you make yourself uh, for me, I make it myself. So it's just, <laughs> he's just oh, this little man with a hat. Hang on a minute. What is he doing? Oh, well, I'm I think it's kill a girl, you. Zoe. I think oh. it's a girl. <laughs> oh no, no, I mean the one that's shooting. And then there's a guy with a pumpkin head. And what's he doing? Oh, he's escaped from Halloween. This is my story. Uh, there's some <laughs> characters that resemble Shadow. So speaking of, of the story, you you say that uh, anyway, your character develops during the game so you get uh, stronger, right? Yeah, the, those gems you can find, so the enemies actually get weaker when you have the, um, and you get upgrades, but that's mostly, if, uh, you can get upgrades, uh, like I said, the brick and the bubble, and later you get the electric beam, so you can shoot, but you can also use that to open doors from afar, special doors with uh, like a lightning bolt on there. So the, Every item you get is also a progression item, so you can open up the map more. Okay. Yeah, so that's pretty much it, but it's a really long game, and it's really, it's just a part of a modern indie game, and it's really extensive. It says it has six, 400 unique rooms. 400. Uh, and I think even the NES port has some more rooms, so it's even... A little bit more than uh, the original. So this is not procedurally generated, is it? No, no, no. Handcrafted. This is hand handcrafted. Every screen is handcrafted. Talk to me a bit about the UI because I'm looking at the UI. There's at the top. There's one brick. There's like one green brick, and then there's there's three slots basically at the top. Yeah, at the top. That's, bar, you that's to... your your upgrades you can find. You can okay. select. Uh, I think that's a select button. You can change what item you use at that moment. Mm. The one highlighted is the one you use. I can't really like tell a, which one's highlighted, to be honest. It's not very clear, is it? And when it's colorized, then then it's high, okay. uh, highlighted. And there's a like a, a cooldown bar, so you can't spam all those magic items, but the, every item has like a cooldown. So if you use the brick, for example, then you have to wait for a while before you can make a new one. And the yeah. other will disappear as well. So that's the other bar. And then you have the gems, how many gems you have. Yeah, 20 gems, like there's the blue a, ones, that, is that right? Yeah. Then there's a There's blank. an item uh, like a, a recovery water, I think, when, you, when you're when down on health. You can use that to recover. 
Yeah, and then there's three or gems. I think that's your that's your health. You only have three health. Oh, okay. Uh, so uh, when you die, by the way, you, there's a lot of checkpoints everywhere in the in the game. Oh yeah. Um, when you die, you get respawned at that place, and then you can just continue your game, which is no problem. And there's a, even an accessibility mode, which you can uh, uh, choose to turn on. And if you do that, then you when you die, you respawn on the same screen. So even if you think, oh, this is too hard for me or it's annoying, there is pretty hard platforming parts, which, yeah, I think that mode would become handy to use just to respawn at that uh, part because some of spike floors or spike uh, objects can hit you like one hit kill. So mm. um, it's maybe good to, for some people to use that. I um, like that they've put coordinates in it as well. Yeah, and if you go to the map, then you can uh, see just everything you explored on the map. So you can use this, those coordinates as well. If you re get really stuck, you can go online and find the map and use those coordinates to uh, to find your uh, your place in the world. But yeah, it's really expensive and uh, really fun to do 100% this game. I, I wanted to find every room, every item, every... Uh, secret, there's even a secret room of the developer of the NES. <laughs> like there's two developers on this game. Uh, the, the original game is made by Michael Forslind and Brad Smith, also called Rain Warrior on Twitter. Okay. Uh, he also made really nice videos about this porting of this game, uh, where what his limitations were. And it's really cool to find him on YouTube as well. He did um, the NES port, but he also made a game called Lizard in the past. And yeah, if you find the secret room, you find... Uh, lizard. The lizard, yes. Nice. The lizard from this game. Nice touches. Yeah, it's a really phenomenal game. Uh, the music is also like a lot of different music tracks. All of them, they are like earworms. They, uh, even now, I, I played this like half a year ago. Sometimes one of those songs gets stuck in my head suddenly. And the strangest thing of this game, I pre-ordered it for the NES before it came out uh, on a USB stick, they made like a really nice USB stick <laughs> shaped like the main character. And then the uh, ROM wa was on there. But I pre-ordered it and I thought, oh, maybe sh let's play the demo, demo first. I played it and I thought, this game is not fun. It's, <laughs> really, it's really slow. It's really, I thought this is like a baby's game. <laughs> it's, it's really boring. So I canceled my pre-order and uh, later on, I thought, no, maybe give it a second try. And then when I continued further, somehow it really clicked to me. And there's a lot of new like complications when you find more items than the puzzle aspect of the game mm, gets more. Yeah. And the exploration aspect of the game gets more to the front. And then it's, it's way more fun. And it, yeah, it, it ends into maybe one of my favorite NES games of oh, all time. That's incredible. Diego, you were going to ask something. Uh, no, I was just going to say that I'm taking a look at some previews here and it, it also looks pretty good to me visually. I, at least I really like these sprites, the main character, of course, and there's some, some of the monsters are really funny looking, like big heads a little bit perhaps, but there's, for example, there's a skeleton with a, sort of cannon in hands that uh, it, 
they're very well drawn sprites in my opinion it gives a good a bit tv style maybe yes but uh, it it makes it nice to watch also so that's good yeah yeah, I, I have, yeah. Maybe this the start section of the game and maybe the story explanation is maybe a little bit lacking, but that's that's all I can think of gripes I have of this game. I think it's just a really polished game, and I think yeah, it's just like something you can buy. Should like uh, like production value is just like a modern indie game because of course it is a modern indie game. Uh, it was already sold and it even has a sequel before this NES release. There's also Awa's Legacy, which is, looks more like a 32-bit uh, game. Yeah. And maybe I hope they port that as well to maybe the Saturn or something. That would be great. <laughs> that would be really great. I would want to play that as well. But yeah, a really become comes from high recommended to me for me i uh i urge everyone who likes metroidvania and probably not the retro asylum <laughs> they hated all my all, all my metroidvanias but uh yeah if you know if you like this genre uh this is a really good one it is very good looking um I don't know if the genre is for me anymore, um, but I, yeah. Yeah, and this game gets often gets on sale in Steam. Mm. Um, How much is it? I, I bought. I think it's ten dollars uh, when you buy it on itch, but mm. I bought uh, like the Alwa's collection on Steam, mm-hmm. and I think this game is a DLC of that collection. So, okay. but I, I bought like that collection for three euros maybe, and then this upgrade to this game maybe another three euros. I think I've for for all the three games I got got for six euros. So, That's I think it's bad. well worth your yeah, the money. Yeah. It's a good value. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if there's a physical. Re- yeah, there is a physical release, but I don't know if it's still for sale. I think it was by Retrobit and. It wasn't that expensive either. In some ways, it, it reminds me a little bit of New Zealand story. I don't know because this bubble mm. and she yeah. goes up. And, yeah, yeah. The, yeah, it's the same mechanic with the bubble. Yeah, I don't know. Is it, that, that's I also the, really love that game, by the way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like New Zealand story mainly for the nostalgia factor, to be honest. But yeah, uh, yeah, for me as well. <laughs> <laughs> it's but very, yeah, it's, very uh, hard. Yeah, it it has similarities. Yeah, but. That that's what I really liked about this game. That it's not the typical Metroidvania formula with the double jump and the wall jumps and the powerful shots or something, but more like puzzly elements to it. Uh, I don't know if I would have the patience to go through it all, to be honest. Well, you don't have to hundred percent, but it makes the final boss a lot easier when you find all those gems. That's a nice reward of exploration. That, that's also different. Normally, with the Metroidvania, you find stuff to upgrade yourself. But now you find you stuff downgrade to downgrade the, 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 the enemies. Which that's is also that's really cool. I like that idea. In fact, that's very original. Is there like a bird view of all the map? Like, I, I haven't seen that anywhere. So I've been asking. Yeah, if you just press select and you see uh, the whole map. Or select or start, I don't know anymore. But you see uh, your inventory and also... Uh, uh, your map 
And does it look a bit like Jesse Jager's one, you know, where you have like a... Yeah. 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 Uh, Mostly like a typical Metroid map. So uh, all the chambers, all the different chambers. And with, I don't know if there's details. I think there was also details if there's still a hidden item left in that room. So you can explore that more. There's some hints on the map as well. Yeah, looks cool. Looks cool. I like it. And uh, what I know is that if you play the NES version, because of the uh, limited screen resolution, every screen is a little bit tinier. So it's also a little bit faster because uh, you don't have to traverse that much. For example, when you play the original, there's two bricks you have to break with your staff but uh, in this one there's only one for example so that of course takes time the NES version is also faster to play and also has a little bit more rooms as far as I know but I don't know exactly the difference I only played the original a little just to see what the difference is but honestly there's not much it feels like the same game okay well time for news then I have some little news from Steam. Uh, I just wanted to say that finally, the great I doesn't exist has got a release on Steam. So you can finally play the full game by Lual Games that we have reviewed in our special episode on text adventures. Cool. Cool. How much is it? And, uh, and uh, you know, have you, t- have you no, played I haven't it? had time yet. No, no. I think it's uh, currently about, 10 bucks for the full game yeah oh. yes okay. yes more or less might might be uh, a little off the price but uh, it's also uh, it's still in the first first phase when uh, the price is a little discounted and then also some uh, not so good news from steam at least not for me even though it's not like i i'm going to be affected by my favorite Rocksmith game is getting delisted finally. I'm sad to say that, uh, well, uh, Ubisoft has already created Rocksmith Plus, so eventually it was going to happen that they would let delist the good old Rocksmith from Steam. It's been around for about a decade, but I still think that it's still a very good game or utility software if you use it like that mm, yeah, yeah. and uh, i was hoping it would stick around longer especially because the rocksmith plus is a subscription based and that's makes it a very different thing in my opinion but what happens when it de- get delisted you can still play it well, yeah if, you, if, you, if you own it, it yes you can still play it i don't know what happens if they pull the plug on the server but probably it might still work even then but uh, well, you just can't buy it anymore. Yeah, I, I, That's the once, point. And I was hoping to to still suggest it to friends. I, I, I once bought a delisted game on uh, like those dubious uh, key uh, sites. Yeah, those dubious uh, Steam oh, key I love your site. stories, Rita. Go, go. <laughs> <laughs> what happened? The FBI knocked up on your door. No, uh, it just worked. I could download it afterwards. Like the, oh. I, uh, there was Prey, the game Prey. Oh, from... yeah. That's pretty old now, isn't it? Yeah. God, I'm old. Uh, uh, not not the new prey, but the old prey <laughs> with uh, 
with the Na- Native American. Yes, American. yes, that's that's the one I was thinking about. What, yeah, what was... a really good game actually. So, ah, but it's yeah, yeah. delisted, and um, and but you can just buy a, like a key for like two euros on a some kind of Steam shady website. Shady website, yeah. I don't know if it's shady, but yeah, it's weird that it's sometimes so cheap. Yeah. But yeah, and then you can redeem it, the key, and then you can just download and play it and see your Steam library. So. I don't know, maybe you can do that for Rocksmith as well in the future. Yeah. Before we move on, I'd like to spend a little bit more time talking about uh, I Doesn't Exist. Just uh, a couple of things. So, yeah, it has mostly positive reviews on Steam. It is about £10 currently. And we have interviewed the developers in uh, an episode called Text Adventure Special that you can, uh, you know, listen to on our website or... If you subscribe to our um, podcast, you can listen to it there as well, together with the other episodes. And uh, yes, I think in our Discord that we encourage you to join as well, where you can have brilliant conversations with the likes of um, our listeners. We have had a discussion and some people have tried it already. I think uh, the general consensus is that this is a quite short, uh, but don't forget this is a university research project and there'll be more coming from them. So. Yeah, it, it, uh, the demo was quite fun. So uh, I wonder what happened. Yeah. What I expected was that there is some kind of twist going on in the game. And yeah. I, I'm very interested in that twist. So I, I haven't tried it yet. No, me neither. So uh, we'll see. Cool. Another game which just uh, gets released is finally the From Below Pocket from uh, Matt Hewson. Uh, you can finally uh, pre-order that game. I think when we interviewed him... Another episode. He already talked about it. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. uh, it's like a Tetris game, but with a twist. I playtested it a lot, uh, especially the multiplayer function. I pre-ordered it immediately because I really love Tetris. And, and this game is really, really nice. But it's still a sort of Tetris, so... <laughs> if you're like not Tetris. into Tetris, don't buy it. But uh, for Tetris, it's a really polished one. And especially uh, he uses the, sc- the screen uh, real estate really good for the Game Boy. Normally, you don't have that many lines uh, in a Tetris game on the Game Boy. So, so if uh, I put you on the spot, Weedo, you, you reviewed another Tetris game from one of our listeners uh, that is on Discord, Akudzunokos or something like that. Yeah, Apatris. Apatris. How do they two compare? They're, they're, they're totally different. Uh, Apertris is like the sort of package of everything Tetris. Yeah. Uh, whatever happened in the whole <laughs> whole universe of Tetris. So it, ha- it has a lot. And From Below is more like the original Tetris on the Game Boy with some extras. So uh, you have the, the big tentacle which comes from below yeah <laughs> uh, this the, the the kraken who pushes up your your tetris bricks to annoy you and that's a difference and also uh from below has a multiplayer which apertris didn't have so uh or apertris did have multiplayer but was kind of unfinished right and also apertris is uh 
illegal now. <laughs> I, I, d- I didn't follow that. that um, <laughs> I don't know, but uh, uh, the Tetris company wasn't really happy with Apertris and uh, From Below is still uh, still okay, I guess, hopefully. <laughs> I hope it is. But uh, yeah, you can pre-order. It's a short window to buy the physical game, but you can buy it on his website if you like the physical copy of this game or two. You can uh, even buy uh, like a two-pack for a multiplayer. Oh, that's then, good. That's and also idea. he uh, decided to re-release the NES version of this game, which is like sold out for really long. And now he has a, like a re-release. So you can also buy that. But I think you have to be quick. I don't know when the pre-order window Always be quick. Uh, ends, but yeah. uh, it isn't endless. Also, in the meanwhile, the GBA, the Game Boy Dev Compo uh, finished so uh, it's like Game Boy Jam competition where people had to make Game Boy games so are the results already out or is it just no results yet but you can play the games and I think it's like oh I have it here Uh, there was like a team that you are the monster I think it was the team so in every game you are the monster and there finally there were 82 entries so there are 82 entries that's a lot of entries that's a lot of yeah it's hard to play them all or even look at every each page to be honest but i think there are some polished uh, games in there and uh, i'm really uh, eager to see what what game finally wins some look really good but some are also only demos for example so I don't know if they're good for our show, but uh, if they're like finished games, then uh, we can maybe bring uh, some. Maybe we can to... look at them, yeah. One yeah. or two of them, yeah. yeah Especially idea, when yeah. Uh, when the results are in. Yeah, go have a look. Uh, 80 new Game Boy games. <laughs> That's quite amazing. You get Game Boy games by the barrel. <laughs> <laughs> Nowadays, yes. Yeah. Uh, Anything and else? Yeah, the last thing, uh, Project Blue, the game by uh, uh, Toggle Switch and Franken Graphics, and also MT, who are also, I think, in our Discord. They uh, they got a release uh, on the Switch now. And well done to them, yes. From 8-Bit Legit. Yeah, it's finally time for me to check that game out. <laughs> I was going to say the same. We never checked Project Blue out, but we probably should. Yeah, it looks looks quite good. The graphics uh, are really high fidelity for NES. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to try that as soon as possible. Nice. Well done, uh, Wido and Diego, for bringing semi-related, well, especially Wido-related and Diego semi-related news <laughs> to this podcast. I am not bringing any <laughs> any retro news. It, well, to be honest, in some in some respect, it is retro news. Uh, so they are remastering the original Tomb Raider, which is quite funny. I've seen that, yeah. It looks like not remastered. <laughs> well, no, it does look remastered. When you see the before and after, you can see the difference. It's just I'm not incentivized into playing it. I don't know if there is some fan base that is, you know, hardcore, really, I want to play this game again, even with a new... It's not even... I don't even know if it's got new texture. It's got, like... I don't know, something maybe yeah. that's called anisotropic filtering, something like that, modern. I think they they sort of try to give it a, a look of a generation later or something. Like, 
PS2 look or something. Not even. It looks worse. I don't know. It's really weird. It looks weird look. really strange. It's like <laughs> it's like low polygon, high res textures. <laughs> yeah, it's it's, it's some, quite unique looking. But uh, yeah, I don't know if these games hold up. But uh, yeah, you're right. I was looking at some footage where Lara Croft was running forward and pointing her guns, but there is no head movement. The 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 gaze is straightforward. It, it just looks a bit odd. <laughs> nowadays in so yeah in some respect i thought of wow you know like low polygon high-res texture or very elaborate textures so they look good it's definitely interesting and i kind of like that they did this this way because it still looks retro especially for people who are like maybe like in their 20s now. They think, yeah. whoa, this looks really old, but it's not. <laughs> I don't know what they what they were going for. It doesn't look beautiful at all. <laughs> yeah, it, it's very but, odd. I think the original team also did this, plus uh, another another company. Isn't Tomb Raider now uh, owned by Square? I am not too sure. Um, it's, it's by Core Design or Crystal Dynamics? Crystal Dynamics, that's them. And then the the other developers, I think, is uh, called As Aspir. I just brought that up because I forgot. Hmm. So they they're doing it in in a joint venture. And yeah, I think it's. I thought it's owned by Square and Enix now, but I'm not sure anymore. It's I, I like, wouldn't. Yeah, I don't know. IPs change hands so so frequently. I, I don't true, know right now. True. So yeah. Anyways, it's going to be released uh, next February, so 2024. Uh, on I think it's Valentine's Day, isn't it? February 14th. So there you go, PS4, PS5, Xbox One, Series X, Nintendo Switch, and PC, which is good for everyone, but not for retro gamers. So, But for you nostalgic people who love triangular breasts, here you go, you have them now rounded. <laughs> there we go, so that's uh, one of my news. And then Cursed Legacy, is. this is a bit more retro-oriented, so there's a new game, I think, from Broke Studio called Cursed Legacy. It's like a sort of platformer. And it looks good. Uh, I, I'm not. Um, I don't think it's finished it. So I'm a bit confused on this title, to be honest, because some I've found around that it's not finished in 2023, but it's on sale. So I am not really sure what is going on. So forgive us for this proper, a little bit imprecise news. However, there is this title that is uh, being uh, that is present on the Sega Mega Drive. Uh, I am not sure right now uh, what stage it is. So, but it, I just thought I'd point it out because it looks quite good and it has some interesting game mechanics. We'll have to have a look at it. I don't know if we do. In the meantime, you have found some information. Yeah, I'm trying to find it. <laughs> but it's not really, really super clear. It's like you can buy it, but then you find articles that says it's not, it's not, it's an unfinished project. So I don't know how it's working. Maybe out. sort of early access or something. Mm. In other news, uh, the team behind Astrobros, Neofit Studios, is making uh, a port for the Mega Drive of a, a game, Demon... Uh, Demon Claw. Demon Claw, that's right. Demon Claw on the Mega Drive. And it looks good. It's a port, though. It's not an original project like um, Astrobros, but it does look really good. And if it's in their hands, I suppose the gameplay is going to be really amazing. So I'm really curious to find out more about this game and uh we'll keep you posted guys. i think it has a kickstarter yes kickstarter for the the port is i think is ending today oh 
<laughs> wow. <laughs> okay, last but not least, a quick hardware news, which is one of the things that I love. So I don't know, most probably you guys have already heard about it if you're uh, Nintendo fans, but there is a way to play an, a Nintendo Wii in a portable way now with a project called Ashida, which is in all reality, uh, um, basically a shell that accommodates the Wii. Uh, and it's uh, a very, it's like a, one of the most advanced mods I've ever seen. And you have a portable Wii in your hands, which can really provide you with hours of immense joy and pleasure. If you are into that platform, clearly you will have to do without the Wii controllers. I don't know you all, there's no way to fit the bar, the Wii motion bar on top of, of mm, that. You can probably play mostly GameCube games. But also Wii games, apparently. So mm. you have to probably hack the Wii and, you know, and, and sort of jailbreak it and then you can play the... So how hard is it to mult your Wii so to I have not done this, this mod. I am very interested, but it seems a little too finicky for me. Like, mm. it takes a long time. There's a lot of components. It's very expensive. But hey-ho, then you have a portable Wii with a screen and uh, and it looks like a, um, a GameCube controller, if I recall correctly. Yeah. So interesting, interesting stuff. If anyone's interested in, in it, you know, you can order all the very expensive pieces and <laughs> and set yourself for a journey of torment to get it together and try. And, but if you make it, you know, it's a big deal. It's quite nice. It's a quite an incredible machine to have in a portable yeah. format yeah of course but uh aren't there emulation devices now who can which can do this like buy a steam deck and play wii games on it um, i don't know if all the if every title is uh, available and you know that sort of stuff and i, I don't know I, I honestly have no idea i don't know yeah it's maybe a little bit too much work for yes, what yes. it is <laughs> it's no, a no, fun novelty but <laughs> would yeah you, yeah would you I use don't it? Mm, don't know. Probably. I don't know. There's, uh, if you get it going, you have a, like a quite a big potentially a quite a big library of games that you can do. You could play all GameCube games. You could play all yeah. all Wii games. And we're starting to get into a bit modern territory with Wii games. I know it's still now it's become old. So it's interesting. It's just interesting. Oh, there are great there are great games on the GameCube. Yeah, yeah. It's one of the best Nintendo platforms. Mm. Really underappreciated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, there's a really nice stuff on there. That's it. That's my news for today. I think we should quickly jump. If you, unless you guys do you have anything else? Mm, no. Okay. <laughs> Maybe we should uh, do a wrap up of what we uh, discussed. Actually, uh, some email. Yeah. Oh. Should we do the recap after the email? Yeah. Let's All right, that. let's move on to emails. Game at newgameonflame.com is where you can write your emails. Today we have one email, and Diego, you can read it. All right, so there's a message from Spencer from Ontario who says, Hi, people, I hope this message finds you in good spirits. I'm Spencer from Ontario, big fan of classic gaming, especially light gun games for arcades and old consoles. I've noticed no new releases for this genre and was curious about the reasons behind it. Is it due to technical challenges, CRT availability, or something else entirely? I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Any insights or info on ongoing projects would be fantastic. Thanks so much for your time. Warm regards. That's very polite. Thank you. Hello, Spencer. Thank you for your message, Spencer. And uh, Andy, maybe you are the 
authority here on CRT availability. So would you like <laughs> to comment on this question? Oh my God. I do, I do not hold a record of CRT distribution in the UK at all, but I've got do you have three. Them, do you have them all? I have three or four. <laughs> and then I've sold another three or four. I think the people I know all have CRTs, <laughs> which is a bit indicative and sad, but um, <laughs> then <laughs> I don't know too much else. So I don't, it's a bit more, I think it's a bit more difficult to find, to produce a game where CRT is required. I don't know. It's, uh, I think I haven't I think got my you, thoughts together yet. It, it's already a niche to make a modern game on a old platform. And then you're going for a niche in a niche where people also require to have a light gun and a CRT. So there's even less people who are going to play your game. So I think like the, 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 the target audience is so small that people think I'm not going to do this. But yet there is a new game. However, on the, there yeah, you go. There is a game. On the, on the NES. We found it for you. Re, yeah, and it's like released a week ago Great. or something. <laughs> so bleeding edge, bleeding edge. It's it's really, uh, really, uh, it looks really nice. It's called Gun Hulk and uh, it's on itch for $5. And it looks quite amazing, actually. It uh, looks a bit like, um, what was that Sega game? Uh, Duck Hunt. Two, that super scalar uh, Sega S game. Oh, super oh, Sega game. Sorry, uh, uh, I don't know. You know. Oh, I know what you're telling. You're saying you, it looks like. Oh, it's escaping my mind. Oh, Har not Harrier Attack. What's it? Called? Oh God, it's a Spectrum game. Space Harrier. Space Harrier. There you go. Space Harrier. Yeah, it looks like Space Harrier, but yeah, it's a light gun game, or it's. I think you can also play it with a regular controller. But uh, f first and foremost, uh, you play it with a light gun. So uh, there's one and uh, looks really good. So uh, maybe try it and uh, hopefully you can uh, mail us how it is because I don't have an NES light gun. I was going to ask, I was going <laughs> to ask, what do you think is more likely to have a CRT or to have a light gun for NES? Oh, the I light gun, the zappers are, are like, the, the, I think almost every NES has a zapper, right? Well, they still work it's fine. A, yeah, I've like... got a zapper. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've yeah. got a zapper and I played the duck hunt okay. for the kids. So, yeah. yeah. So, uh, I think if you have an original NES, I think you probably have a zapper as well. Those are okay. not rare. Um, so would this be compatible? I didn't. I don't know. Um, it, uh, you discovered this reader, so I, I assume yeah, you've read it's something. A, it's played by it the, with the zapper. Yeah, but I know. But can you play on an emulator on a on a on, a, on an LCD panel? Uh, well, then you have to use your mouse or something. You have to. Uh, you can't use the, a modern one of the modern. Or maybe light the Sinden uh, light gun. You don't. But maybe. you don't know if that's the thing that actually does it, do you? No, uh, I know that uh, the Mister for a core, for example, you can emulate um, uh, okay, uh, the, the, the light see, gun I with see. your mouse, but yeah, that's not that's not fun at all. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I think uh, yeah, you really have to buy the real stuff, uh, and the Sinden isn't cheap. You have the Sinden light gun for uh, for uh, LCD uh, screens, and I heard it works really great. 
but uh, yeah, it's like uh, 150 euros or something to buy one. Mm. And also, you have to the, the the device works with a white border on, around your game to detect what the game area is or something. And uh, for example, if you want to run it on a mister or maybe on your uh, real hardware connected to your modern screen, you don't have that white border. So it only works in emulators on your PC, for example. Um, so that's really it's not ideal. I mean, God. It, it, <laughs> so you add the cost of the light gun <laughs> already exceeds the cost of a CRT. So this is uh, I, I picked my uh, CRT up for free. So yeah, uh, yeah. So yeah, infinite times. <laughs> more but it's also really heavy, and you have to have space for it, and uh, you also. A lot of people don't want a CRT in their house. <laughs> it's quite a dedication. These poor people, they don't know what they're missing. <laughs> True. They do not know what they're missing. Well, that's that. there you go, uh, Spencer. Uh, I hope, you know, that pe more people make... I, I like, you know, get, uh, Zapper games and, like, I mean, on a bit more modern note, like uh, Virtua Cop. Virtua Cop is that's great. On the Saturn. Yes, but there is another one. I think it's always a Virtual Cop on this PS2. Oh, uh, Time Cop. No? Time Crisis. That's Time it. Time Crisis. Time Crisis on the PS2 is uh, another one that I really like. The kids really love that as well. Yeah, that's yeah, a good one. Yeah. Good I fun. I played that so, a lot in arcade back yeah. in the day. Really yeah, yeah. So game. I hope someone else makes some more games for the Zapper. I don't think we have anything else today. So another one in the can, guys. Well done. Yeah. Let's wrap recap. up and uh, yeah. recap. Go for it, Wida. So uh, Jago played uh, Night Shift, Neon Noir, Maria Renard's Revenge, Rogue Declan Zero, all on the Amiga. Uh, Andy played Top and Tom 2, but it's also called Top Bot and, Bot and Tom. Bot and Tom. Uh so bottom, bottom, bottom. <laughs> yes, we love really bottom. I, I just found that out. So <laughs> on the Atari oh, well. 2600 and <laughs> Unholy Night, the Darkness Hunter on the SNES. But uh, yeah, forget about that one, probably. And mm. I played Always Awakening for the NES. So that's it. Good stuff, guys. Thanks for coming uh, tonight. Thank you for all the listeners. Please... Leave us a review if you can on iTunes. Uh, it's it would be very useful for us. I think it uh, it helps us to spread the show around. It would be great. Then don't forget to write to us your splendid emails at uh, game at newgameonflame.com. I will remind you of that again. Game at newgameonflame.com. And don't forget to join our lovely Discord server, which is very very slowly but still growing, and it's good. It's good. There's some good conversation going on there. Uh, so please, yeah. Shout outs, guys. Of course, the Retro Asylum. Yeah. The Retro Asylum. Hello, guys. Thank you. Thank you for your support. They, they recently did a really nice episode uh, inspired by our, uh, by our show, which is really nice. And uh, there's maybe more coming of that. So uh, I talked about with Mets about it. And uh, there's maybe more new games on all platforms there. So uh, that would be uh, really cool. Well, thank you. Uh, shout outs also go to MT Franken Graphics for their achievement in getting this uh, game um, 
Project Blue over on the modern consoles. So well done, guys, for all your endeavors. And the shout out goes to also come like a bomb, as usual, and Mark. Uh, Mark, I'm only shouting out because you have to send me an Amiga 2000. And I'm here. <laughs> and I'm here just. Also, just I want, I want to uh, shout out uh, Retro Game Squad. That's a really nice podcast. They re- recently did a Halloween episode. They only do four episodes a year. Oh. And uh, I really loved uh, this episode again. And uh, it's one of my first podcasts I listened to. And I'm like a sort of regular there. So. Uh, I, I I call them my friends from uh, overseas. They are all from the US, but uh, I talk so much with them. And uh, it's a really good podcast. So uh, I want to shout out them as well. Nice. Good. Uh, Diego, any shout out? Uh, well, to Lou and all of Luau Games for finally releasing their game. It doesn't exist. And for being kind enough to uh, let us interview them for our text adventure special. Yeah. Good stuff then, guys. Uh, I think I'm just going to say also a quick shout out to Pix as well because he's playing all sorts of games and reporting on them as well. So, yeah, Pix, thank you for all your efforts as well in participating in the Discord server. Having said that, yes, we reached the end once again, guys. So, yeah, sorry to see you go. We have one last did you know, which I think is kind of falls into Weedo's uh, realm of portable handhelds which are synonyms. I don't know if you want to go for that one. Sure. Finishing Super Mario Bros. 3 on the GBA by skipping the whole game straight to the 8th world unlocks hidden cutscenes when you see King attacked by Koopaling right before Mario arrival. I think that should be King Koopa (laughs) or Bowser. Yeah. I don't know, but this, is it true? I've never beaten uh, Mario Bros. 3 on ah, I have it. Uh, should, should I do it? <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, oh my God. Weedo is going <laughs> to lock himself in a room for another month and we won't see no, him. No, we're skipping to the 8th world. That's like... Uh, so you skip to the... So that's it's probably less than half an hour. Oh, my God. All right. Yeah, let us know next episode. We'll ask you. <laughs> if I don't forget. Sure. <laughs> I'll remind you. All right, guys. Thank you for listening. Uh, We'll talk to you next time and hope you have a good time till next episode. Bye. 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 Bye.